Hey guys, this is Susan with Susan's Travel Services. Are you guys looking for a new type of luxury getaway? What about a much needed getaway to a tropical paradise? How about a romantic new adventure? Travel with us to the Sandal Select Resorts and you're gonna save. We know the resorts, we know the places to go, and we know how to take care of our clients. Contact us for more information. Have a great day. Hey, this is Susan Green. Howdy, everybody. This is Coulter Fleming. And welcome to the Backstage Travel Podcast. I asked you once if you had any weird habits. Excessive towel usage. You do not. Yeah, Tori, Tori thinks, <laughs> thinks it's absolutely nuts. <laughs> do you use more than um, one towel in the shower? So I use one at, at minimum, uh, well, I should say, one towel is a one-use thing. It goes right into the no. washer. Oh, you must have yep. died with COVID. And then typically each shower is two towels. Um, okay, I, I don't want to get too graphic, but do you put one around your head? No, no, but you I just, mean- You cover the upper body and the lower body? <laughs> no, I mean, one does like one does like the, the initial drying. And then after I've brushed teeth and, you know, I've probably set that one down and I've moved around oh, a little so bit. so now it's dirty. Then the, then the other, yeah. Then the other does oh. the follow-up drying, you know? <laughs> Finishes the job. That is an- Awesome quirky habit. Oh, wow. how many towels do you have? Probably 50. You do not. Yeah. Oh my, you don't have enough room. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't see any towels on your registry list. Yeah. We've got a bunch of towels on the registry at Pottery Oh Barn. my God. That is crazy. And you shower every day, right? How many times a day do you shower? Typically three. Oh my God. No. Yeah. That is so bad for the environment. Is that something you tell someone right when you start dating? Hey, by the way, um, if we ever get together, um, I'm going to need six towels a day. Well, I come with 50. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That I've never heard that before. When I met Dan, he used to shower and his, he, had a, he had a towel from the pool and he used it for like two weeks. I was like, that's kind of gross. <laughs> I mean, I've got I've got my drawer of like Holiday Inn, Motel Six, Courtyard Marriott towels. Oh, the ones you stole! My, like, the ones you stole. Somehow they show up. I don't oh, really know. Right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right. And then you've got your decent bath towels, but I mean, you've got your morning shower when you wake up before coffee. Sort sure. of wake up, you know, brush your teeth. You've got your post workout gym shower, and then at some point you've got your pre bed because I don't want to get my sheets dirty shower. So I mean, okay. like, here's that's the question. Great. Do you have colored towels or are they white? I have black. I have tan. I have white. I have red. I, you know, I collect them. <laughs> oh my God. I, who knew? <laughs> Next time you're not getting a pie for Thanksgiving, you're getting towels. Tori's <laughs> trying to throw all of them out because we registered oh. for towels at Bottery Barn and she's trying to get rid of all of them. So they're going to well, go to a I, good I only home do soon. white. So I only do white sheets. I only do white towels. And when my kids were little, we only did a down comforter with no sheet. Cause I was like, eh, they're not going to learn how to make their fucking bed. They can't figure that shit out. So I was like, but you can pick up a down comforter and put it on the top, but everything's white. And then Connor, my son, who's 19 has decided that it's time for him to have a different hair color every week. And I finally said to him, take the crappy towel, take crappy towels. Do not take the nice towels. They're all white. And he's like, what's the big problem? I'm like, white uh, towels make me nervous. I assume so. You think you're excessively dirty. I mean, 
<laughs> like I can use a white towel at a hotel or something like that. But like, if it's my white towel, I just feel like it's going to show all the dirt from the gym or like, you know, I don't know. I mean, now here's the thing. You go to a courtyard because I know those are your favorite and you go stay there. Do you panic when you're like, oh my God, they gave us four towels. Oh, I, I always get, get through the day. Always get extra. <laughs> I, I normally end up with six. <laughs> and then you're like, Tori, you're on your own. Has she ever used your towel? She thinks I'm crazy. She She'll use one towel for everything for the entire week. Oh, I can't do one towel. I have too much hair. Yeah. But I don't shower every day. So, you know, I mean, I've jumped in the pool and been like, I'm good. I know that's going to kill you. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Who knew? Who knew? Okay. We are so excited. It is so fun to meet you. Now, can you pronounce your name correctly so we don't ruin and butcher it? Because we do. So it's Cara, like yep. driving a car. Uh, yeah. Cara. Yeah. And then the last name, if you pronounce it correctly, like an Italian would, would be Lamarato, but it's oh. Lamb because my husband's family is Midwestern. So the last <laughs> name is Lamb, like a little lamb, baby lamb, Lamarato. And what was your maiden name? Erickson. I'm oh. a Swede, Swede Norwegian. So. Gotcha. <laughs> and where's um, he from in the Midwest? He's from Michigan. Oh. Uh, entire family. You grew up there? I grew up in Chicago, but oh, I Chicago. used to go to Michigan. Where yeah. on the hand was he from? He's from Detroit metro area. Oh. Yeah. And then they have, of course, the cabin up north and, you of know, course. that whole deal. Um, his it's family's really all still today. back there. Yeah, oh, is really it? Cool. Yeah, yeah. All my friends from Chicago are like, it's like 24. I'm like, I'm in a t-shirt. I have the window open. Burr. Yeah, You're I'm in Arizona, like, right? <laughs> You're in Arizona, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Arizona and Col and my daughter's sitting outside in Arizona <laughs> grabbing all of my sweaters. And then Coulter is in Orange County. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to introduce you. I, I am floored by your background. I am like, okay, so I know you have kids because I know you said you, you're still homeschooling them, right? Uh, half and half. They're in school twice a week now, which is a big progress. Big stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> oh, that's so hard. That is so hard. But you were a uh, vice president private banker. Is that what you studied? Now, that's not what you studied in school though, right? No, no. So slight correction. I was a second vice president. That's so just okay. so, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't think we have people checking our staff. I don't think anyone <laughs> I ever worked with would ever stumble upon this, but hey, you never know. You never know. Um, hey, we're going to make billions. That's what I tell culture every day. Billions. <laughs> no, I studied English literature and mass communications at UC Berkeley. Wow. And when I graduated, I needed a J-O-B. Of course. Yep. And of course, you know, a teller at the bank is the only natural thing to do with your bachelor's degree from <laughs> Berkeley. <laughs> if you're so, going to live up there, for sure. As a little stopgap, I took the job at the bank and then ended up staying there for 10 years. Yeah. Yes. I moved positions a couple times in there. But yeah, I was in banking for 10 years, which like, blows my brain open right now because yeah. if you had told me then that 10 years forward, well, 10 years plus, you know, 20 years now almost, this is what I would be doing, I would have thought you were crazy. <laughs> and that's so funny. So you grew up in San Diego, went to school at Berkeley, and did you mm -hmm. meet your husband there? No, we met back here in San Diego. He was here on vacation for spring break, incidentally. Mission and Beach. We, yeah, I yes. lived in Mission Beach. I did. <laughs> it's I the lived. Party! 
I lived in a studio apartment just on a little the night beach. At the beachcomber. Little, uh... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, we met at Typhoon Saloon, a bar Perfect. on Garnett Avenue in Pacific oh, yeah. Beach. For anyone who knows the area, big yeah. old dive bar. I love it. Um, yeah. There, I actually one of my odd jobs was I was Shamu. No. In college, I would here. We, I would dress up as Shamu and go to trade shows. And the funniest what? part was you could not speak. <laughs> Here I am. The mascots don't speak. No. Oh, and they're like, God. you had to walk around and we were giving the Shamu what? club part out. Wow. And the thing was jai freaking enormous. Like a huge belt. <laughs> and the head was totally top heavy. And then I also was Penny the Penguin, but she's not as fun as Shamu. But oh, you walk around with your walker who could talk. And I was like... Yeah, I'm in the wrong job because I didn't put <laughs> up the whole time. But I was like, but yeah, I could tell people when you ever played those games like True Truths and a Lie, I'm like, I was Shamu. They're like, no way. I'm like, I was. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so fun. We got 12 free tickets to San Diego to see them, so. <clears throat> that's awesome. That's so yeah. So you met him here and then you guys, were you already living in San Diego? I was. I was living in a little studio apartment on the beach right, and he that. was there for spring break and we met. And had this super fun night at the bar celebrating my sister's like 23rd birthday. I don't even remember what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he left the next day. He flew home to Michigan. And we, this is like back in the days of flip phones when oh, text yes. messages cost like a hundred dollars per message. Right. I dropped about so, 10 of those in the toilet. Yeah. You put those the bar, in the back probably. pocket and then you go, <laughs> and then you're like, shit, I just went yeah. to the bathroom and I'm like, there mm-hmm. goes. Yep, little there bowl, it. roll of flip phone. Just flip. <laughs> it just yep. flush it like, they were free and there goes <laughs> <laughs> so oh, we so uh we text message slash long distance dated for gosh two years and then he moved here and then we got engaged and then we got married and the did you ask him while you were dating how many towels he used when he showered um, you know, he is like Colton. He showers minimum of three times a day, minimum yep. on an average day. Um, he will reuse his towel though. I will say that. Towel. You hear that? Yeah. Towel, yeah. Colter. One towel. He'll reuse it. But he's you know, the same. But here's the thing. They have no hair. So like True. if I could not, if, my, if I was bald, I would probably take a bunch of showers. But yeah. I got this mass of hair up here. And yeah. even if I put like a cap on or like it get wet, it like, I'm like, no, I, I could care less. I grew up in a house in the mid west it was built in 1910 it had one shower with pipes built in 1910 and i was number six and guess who got the cold air and no pipes and no water i was like i i'm mm. i literally take a two-minute shower you so. sound traumatized from this i am it's very hard that's our next podcast the trauma <laughs> of growing up as my husband always says it was a bitch to grow up on the north shore of chicago i grew up where the like home alone was filmed and yeah. it was obviously wealthy and i'll complain i still don't know what kevin McAllister's dad did like that's crazy. <laughs> Dude took nine people to Europe, first class, like left his one son at home accidentally. Like, but what did that guy do? I mean, that house is insane. Yeah. And that's not even the biggest one. It's so funny. When Dan was dating me, we would drive around and he's like, what do these people do? I go, honey, these are the people I went to high school with, like Oscar Mayer's grandkids, Kellogg's grandkids. Yeah. They're, they were nuts. And so I went to college, the naive person I was. And I was like, oh, we're kind of average. We're like kind of poor. Yeah. I, <laughs> that was not the case. And then my roommate goes, I grew up 
open a double wide and I said, what's a double wide? And my mom will still make fun of me for that. I was like, <laughs> I had no clue. But yeah, so my husband, when I complained, he goes, it was a bitch to grow up on the North Shore of Chicago. How'd you handle it? That's yeah, rough Whatever. life. Whatever. <laughs> so you get married and you're still banking. And then now you have two kids, right? Now, now, yes. Flash how forward old a lot of years. They're six and eight right now. Oh, that's so. such a fun age though. They are so fun and they are such a handful in like a crazy (laughs) fun way. (laughs) Well, this year is so hard for you. I mean, think about it compared to a year ago, what we're looking at, like being that kind of parent compared to a year ago and running a business. Mm-mm. No, I, can't I imagine. I literally got tears in my eyes. We were unpacking Christmas ornaments last night and we do yep. a little ornament every year for them yep. with a picture, like a picture that kind of summarizes the year for them. Ooh. And my husband, since I've been self-employed since 13 and we had these two kids pretty much back to back. So like my dream, I, I mean, I was so, I loved every single day with my kids. Don't get me wrong, but right. working with two little kids and right. being self-employed, it's very, very, very hard. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, that'll be on my podcast of being grown up on the North Shore. I promise you. I was so excited for the day when they would both be in school full time. Right. And I could dedicate myself to my business and, you know, really, really make some moves. And that was in fall of 2019. So we're unpacking these ornaments and I saw that my husband took a picture of them on their first day of full-time school last year, starting kindergarten and second grade. And I look at this ornament today and I'm just like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, that's hard. Because I think Um, for me and I go, I have a 19-year-old at home, then I have a 21 and almost 24-year-old, but he was already doing online school and I already work at home. But if I had to like teach them and try to run my business, I, I know I'd be not. Yeah. So Coulter, when I met him, I met him about February last year. He had started this job a little bit before. This year. Yeah, that's right. It felt like two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then COVID hits and um, he had said he was engaged and he says to me in March, it's not going to happen in December. And I go, you are such a stinky thinker. We are totally going to have everything back on track by June. Be stop, 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 stop. Lo and behold, they're getting married on December 20th. It is not what they thought it was going to be. But you told me you have some big updates because obviously California has done some more restrictions for you. So what's going on with you guys? Yeah. So this, this will sort of uh, lead us more into the, the wedding side of the podcast, you know, kicking it off with a personal testimonial. So (laughs) Actually, last week, Susan, we were on the phone on Wednesday, you know, talking about that uh, trip to Cancun and Tori comes in uh, to the little cabin we were at. We were up in Idlewild for the week with her family. She comes in and I'm just sitting there working. She's got huge tears in her eyes. She had just found out that, you know, we're on 10th version of the plan at this point. So we've got the ceremony pretty much locked down for now, unless Gavin Newsom does a more restrictive stay-at-home order. Who's Gavin Newsom? The governor of California. Oh, sorry. So for right now, we're good on that. But last Wednesday, like literally right as you and I were talking, she found out that the restaurant that we were going to have our little mini family reception at canceled on us because they don't want to do even an outdoor, you know, little group. And so we just like literally like just before I got on, her parents booked a vacation rental down in Oceanside close to our now backup, you know, ceremony venue. We could have like, you know, pizza and wine after with a few of us who want to come. And we're down to literally calling cousins and family members sort of talking them out of coming at this point. Wow. Um, We we were going to invite about 300 people. And so then we sort of for this ceremony, you know, we we invited like 40 
And hopefully like less than that will show up because we can't have that <laughs> many people. That's terrible, right? You're mm. thinking we have to try to convince people not to come. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this has been for, for me, I'm like, whatever, we're going to get married. In my mind, we'll be married December 14th when we go to the Honda Center and, you know, the, the County of Orange, you know, blesses it or whatever. But this is things that people like Tori think about their whole lives. You know, she's been a bridesmaid, like literally 27 times. Mm. I mean, you know, big sorority. So like trying to figure out, okay, she can't have any of her friends there. It's hard. I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, Cara, like what, what you deal with on a daily basis right now, like, you know, having to sort of navigate this for, for different people. So anyway, um, yeah, that's, those are my updates on, on our wedding and we'll see what happens in three weeks, you know, but we'll be married and that's true. You've got a great, you've got a great attitude, but you're also a guy Yeah. because my dad offered me five grand in 1993 to go get married in Vegas. And I was like, hell no. And now I'm like, God, I should have taken that money. I mean, I love my husband. We're 27 years, but I'm like, oh no, I'm going to wear that big white freaking dress. I'm going to look awesome. We're going to have a reception. I think what's hard too, is that when I got married, there was, um, we were talking about this yesterday. Like I got engaged over Christmas. Like everyone did. I don't even know the day. I mean, like that's how we didn't know back then, you know, and, you know, didn't post anything. Yeah. 28th, maybe. I was in Chicago. He came there. We got engaged. I think I had the, my dress bought the next day. I'm very type A. And then we were in college. And so I came back and I had my whole wedding plan by February 1st. Cause wow. I was like, um, I gotta get, I gotta finish high school. Did you plan it all yourself, Susan? Of course. And then our first big fight. <laughs> I always laugh at this. We're at Crate and Barrel in Chicago. And I'm like, here's our plates. And Dan goes, yeah, no, I don't like those. And I went, wait, wait, wait. You don't have an opinion. You have an opinion about nothing. And now you want the plates? And we're literally at Crate and Barrel at or- Old Orchard in Chicago at Skokie. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And he wanted these hideous plates, which we ended up getting. And I was like, no, I want a white. Like white, like that. I pick. And he's like, I don't like those. I, you learned I so much about your partner trying to build a registry. Like it's so it's God. Such an interesting task. Yeah. I was like, like, this or this, this or this. Come on, come on. Pick, pick, pick. And he was like, I don't know. He's all about feelings. You know, if you ever do like the Myers-Briggs, I was like, oh my God. So yeah, so it was funny. But I did, I planned the whole thing and I was like, great. And you didn't, I mean, you went to other people's weddings and then you go, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. But you didn't have Pinterest. All you had was Brides Magazine, maybe two of them. And most most of it in there was so extreme and so dramatic that you're like, that's not what we're doing. I mean, we were 23, graduating from college, getting a job and getting married. That's all we were doing. In some ways it's fun right now, but I think there's also a lot of pressure trying to get that wedding because there's a lot of advertising and a lot of stuff out there that is telling you to do all these things instead of Weddings are big why business. you get matter. Yeah. So anyhow, Coulter, I know you wanted to ask her. Yeah. I, I, going back and forth. Cause hopefully, I totally, um, <laughs> no, hope, hopefully this, this leads us into talking about Cara's career. Like how did you get your start and talk to us a little bit about the transition from, okay, we've got UC Berkeley, we've got banking, like on paper, that makes sense with or without a liberal <laughs> arts major. Yeah. But then how did you go? Yeah, screw this. Let's, let's get into weddings. That's going to be, that's going to be better. Like walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So I was not born to be a banker. That was, we're talking about zones of genius earlier, being a banker and having a nine to five corporate job. Neither of those things are in my wheelhouse. Totally. <laughs> and I learned that over the course of the first few years of doing it. And John and I got engaged in nine married in 10 and had Stella, our daughter in 12. And thank you. Yeah, I love that. Let me go back to 10 because planning my own wedding was so much fun. Where did you guys get married? 
We got married at a vacation rental home in La Jolla. And I get asked about this all the time. It sold. That's a long story. It is now in hands of other owners who do not rent it out for weddings for a lot of probably very good reasons. We didn't do anything to mess up the house, but it was <laughs> this beautiful, like 8,000 square foot, absolutely gorgeous Italian style villa Ooh. up on the hillside looking over the ocean. I mean, mm. it was stunning. Sounds like um, The Bachelor. Oh, it was, it was very similar to that. <laughs> That, that style house. Yeah, it was yeah. very similar yeah. to that. She had already given away her final rose. And here you go. <laughs> so we had, we just had a really fun time planning our wedding. And I don't know, weddings are just such a pre-COVID, um, pre-2020, weddings are such a source of happiness and joy and love and to be in that space and to funnel my creative energies into that space and then to take that a step further and actually make that my career and my job was just such a fun process and I kind of stumbled into it very gradually. I started doing handmade decorations on the side after our wedding, after 2010. And I took that off into a full-fledged... Like I had boxes of supplies and materials in our tiny little one-bedroom house on the beach stacked up. I was selling. I was making money. It was so fun. And really just parlayed that over the years into a big enough deal so that in... 2013, I was able to leave that corporate banking job and be my own boss and make wedding decorations for a living. It was my dream come true. And behind the scenes, like a side note of all of that was our daughter was born in 12. And she, as any mom would know and attest to any dad as well, she's just the light of our life. Mm. And to leave her every morning and go to that crappy corporate job that I hated... Yeah. was like it broke my soul from the day I went back after maternity leave until the day I quit, which was like one of the happiest days of my life. Yeah, I always yeah. tell couples like your wedding day is a huge deal. Your wedding day is definitely one of the happiest days of your life. But there are also lots of other happiest days of your life to come to. So yeah, pace yourself. <laughs> that, that represented freedom, you know, because... Oh. You've proven yourself that you could make money at what was originally your side hustle. And so you, you, you've got the money piece and then now you've got the freedom and the flexibility piece and you blended that together to sort of do something that also it brings you joy, but it certainly serves your clients at a really unique moment in their life. Yeah, absolutely. So it was all, I mean, this is really like truly a dream come true for me. And this is we're seven years later. I've been self-employed for seven, coming up on eight years, which back in the day, back in 2013, my husband and I were like, well, if we can just hack it together and make it work until the kids are in full-time school, back to right. my story from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> like if we can make it work, we were, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like we were not rolling in money in, right. you know, in 2013, it was literally like, we, I, we can pay our bills without me having to work at the bank 
type of thing. And that was like step one. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of parlay it and build it up and learn lessons and tweak things and pivot and do different things. I mean, now I'm doing a lot of different things that I wasn't originally doing in 2013. But yeah, to be able to be your own boss is so cool. And it's also like a very cool living example that I like to share with my kids. I just like them to see me supporting our family. I mean, my husband works as well, but you know, for the two of us to be able to do what we are very passionate about and be able to be living examples of that to John and Stella is just really, really special to me. I love that. So that's your vineyard, right? Right. Because I love that. I looked it on there. I actually sent it to him and I said, you should share this with Tori. I said, or not, because she might spend a lot of money because it's really cool. (laughs) Thank so you you. I, you have a very creative side. I can see that. I can hear it in you, like the, the joy of being in that moment and stuff like that. What do you think the hardest part of being in the wedding industry for you is? Outside oh. COVID, I mean, obviously everyone's going to be like, yeah. COVID sucks and everything because it's been terrible. But what do you think yeah. the hardest part of your job has been? And it could be anything. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm just curious. I come to... so. The crafty side of my business, nothing about that is hard to me. Um, That comes very naturally to me. And it's just something that over uh, the past few years, I feel like I really have a handle on that. To be a part of couples and designing their day and contributing to that is just really, really cool. What's challenging for me is on the wedding planning podcast side. This is our six-year anniversary in January. So being like a quote wedding industry professional is not something that comes naturally to me. I am somewhat introverted, I guess. I I wouldn't choose to like go into a wedding expo and walk around a network with a hundred different people and exchange business cards and set up coffee dates. And like, that's just not me. I'm a little more introverted than that, unless I know you very well. And that's another story. But I feel like the wedding industry side of things is very network driven and Mm -hmm image driven and who you know, and which florists, you know, and which planners work with who, and it's just not my thing. And a lot of that is because of where I come from it. I'm probably about on average 15 years older than Mm -hmm. the average person who I'm talking to or talking with, I should say. I have these two little kids who are like my my universe right now. So my focus on a day-to-day-to-day basis is not weddings and pretty dresses and flowers. It's like my six and my (laughs) eight-year-old. Right, right. So to kind of bridge those two worlds has been challenging for me. And it's also challenging for me because I think when I look at the wedding industry as a whole, I see something that I feel could be a lot better isn't the word, but I feel like there could be a lot of improvements done to the way couples experience planning their weddings. And that ties in perfectly to why I started doing the podcast. Because when I look at a couple getting dumped into this world of social media and online and websites and chat rooms and all this crap, like I get overwhelmed in 10 seconds and I'm not even planning my wedding. (laughs) So I can't even imagine imagine how a young couple feels who's trying to figure out how to manage their two families and how to grow their own relationship and how to allocate money. And like you just throw it like amplifies so fast. It's like an exponential overwhelm factor. So that's 
the side of weddings that I have a challenge kind of finding how to guide people through that. And it's a good challenge. It's why I've continued to do this podcast for six years. And there have been moments where I'm like, what am I doing? I have two little kids. I planned my wedding a hundred years ago. I'm over this phase of my life, but I keep coming back to it because I just feel like there is so much that I can bring to couples again, who are in the thick of that overwhelm and kind of help them strip it all away and down to the essence. You were saying back in the day when like you had maybe a Martha Stewart wedding magazine and a bride's magazine. Right. And that was it. (laughs) Right. Now I'm much more of like, I love networking. I love to go to those things and give business cards. I love meeting people. I am not very creative. I'm very, very left brain and stuff like that, but I'm drawn to people who are, I'm married to a very artistic, he loves to cook dinner. He loves to write. He's very feely, touchy. And I love that side of it. And so I think that's really amazing that you took that side and said, how can I help people? Because I do think that I find a little bit of that with honeymoons is that, I mean, I'm 50, right? So I'm putting down their dates and I'm like, oh yeah, you were born on my, on my wedding. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> when are you getting married? <laughs> you know, you're like, awesome. Yeah. You know, they're, they're like, I'm trying to relate to them. And I'm like, Yeah, you're younger than my children. I love honeymoons because I tell people like, hey, you don't really get to go on another. People always think they're going to go on all these awesome trips. I'm like, it usually takes people a long time to go on another trip because life happens. You have a child, you buy a car, you buy a house. And I said, I don't want you to spend more money. I mean, obviously I do because I want to make money, but I want you to have a great experience. So I do love being a part of an industry where there is joy mm-hmm. and there is fun. And that's why I stay in it. I've been in it 26 years. So I stay in an industry where it is fun to talk to people and get them excited about it and hear them go, I'm going where? This is so amazing. Thank you so much. Instead of the last eight months, which was not that, but but yeah. that is, I mean, that's pretty amazing. I think um, I can totally hear it when I listen to you on the podcast. I can hear it now when I see your face and stuff like that. I think it's very commendable of you that you are sharing this in a sense where you probably could just do your vineyard and not carry this other side. But I think that's pretty cool. So oh, thank you. Thank you for that. And I like to use that too. Just going back to like the introvert part, I haven't been able to network because I've had little kids at my heels for the past seven years. Right. right. <laughs> um, so that has been a challenge. But I also like to look at that as a strength in a way, because I don't want to be in the center of that reverberating conversation that's going on industry-wide. I don't want to be talking to the average planner and the average florist and the average Mm -hmm. DJ. Like I don't, I want to be removed from those conversations specifically so that I can look in as an outsider and see it for what it is versus having to, oh, I have to invite so-and-so on the show because, you know, they did me a favor or whatever. We're friends or because I'm trying to help them out. Like I think being disconnected in that way has ultimately, I think it's done the listener a great service by having someone who has removed themselves from kind of the day-to-day noise that goes on inside the industry, if that makes any sense. I think it makes you more authentic so that you're not just going, well, I'm only going to plug this over here because of this reason. I I think that's great. I do. I think that's awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Like, are you, do you, do you find that you are attracted to, or you, or you work mostly with, you know, certain venues in in locally or like, like how, how have you sort of built your business over the years? Uh, So that's an interesting question. I do not do any one-on-one wedding planning whatsoever. 
I do not take on any one-on-one clients. I do the podcast as me working with thousands of couples who are turning tuning in each week to listen. So I don't know if that kind of answers that, but... Yeah. Yeah, I, I've scaled it so that I'm not doing one-on-one work. I'm doing one-on, you know, thousands work. That's cool. That's a great idea. And what that allows me to do is offer the expertise of a professional wedding planner for free to whoever wants to listen. Right. But in terms of allocating my time, it would not be a good use of my time isn't the right phrase. I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm looking for here. I would rather help a thousand couples in an hour help one couple over the course of 18 months. Right. It just for me and my passion and where I am in my life and my time and the way I want to spend it with my family and my friends and my loved ones. I don't want to be planning weddings every single weekend and not able to take trips and not able to travel and not able to be with my husband and my kids and my friends. Like I've allocated my time in a way so that I can have as much freedom as possible. Very cool. I love that. Yeah. So, so I mentioned a minute ago, you know, how the pandemic has affected our little wedding you know, sort of actually local here to us. How how has this time and this this season in all of our lives impacted you and sort of the way that you perceive the industry? That's a really, really good question. March was just absolutely devastating for everyone on so many different levels. The wedding industry, as I know all of you know from a different perspective, but you know so clearly that this industry was just demolished in a way that don't get me wrong, plenty of businesses have been affected, but the wedding industry, like the essence of it was just completely crushed yeah. Yeah. from the industry side and from the couple side. So not to make it just about me because everyone suffered, but to have this business that I had built over the past seven years with my own two hands and looking at March, it literally crumbled. Mm-hmm. And it crumbled not over the course of like a year or two where, you know, things are kind of trending this way right. and we need to make some plans and kind of prepare. It literally crumbled in a a week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like on Monday, everything's fine. And on Friday, your kids aren't going back to school and you're not supposed to leave your house. Like it was just very, yeah, so abrupt Surreal. for everyone. Yeah. And I mean, that was, it, it was devastating on so many different levels. So the first thing I did is freak out. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing I did is freak out about what I was going to do with my kids. And then the third thing I did once I finally was able to like get a handle on myself and like, you know, get dressed and function like a normal person. I created a series for couples called Wedding Plan B. I bought the domain, weddingplanb.com. (laughs) And I created this series for couples who were freaking out, (laughs) like you probably were, Colton, you and your fiance. And we did these little like live Q&As and I would put together a workshop and get on camera and record Q&As with couples. But it's hard because nobody knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. Susan, like you said, you're like, why are you freaking out? dude, your wedding in June is going to be fine. Like, what is your problem? And that was like 
that was how everyone felt back in March was like, you know, make a backup plan. But if your wedding is later in the summer, you're not going to need it. Like you can make it if it'll make you feel better, but you're not going to actually need to use it. Right. And then, oh, F word. Yeah. Like so much, so much. And I wish there had been, I mean, that's a whole other topic for another podcast, but I wish there had been some kind of like signal from above or like a leadership figure said like, Hey, public, I just want to temper your expectations. Like we can stop chattering about kids going back to school and weddings. Like this is probably going to take about a year to a year and a half. I totally agree. Would have been kind of nice to hear in those early days instead of I agree. Colton feeling like he could get married in June and the thousands of other couples who are making a wedding plan B that becomes plan C, D, E, F, G, We're H, I, like J. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I get exactly. A lot of, yeah. I get a lot of calls for people that are frustrated because like Coulter, they can't have a wedding with people. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, we're going to have a killer honeymoon. Yeah. But you can hear in them this disappointment. You can hear in them, they're like, well, we're just going to go get married at the justice of the peace. And they're like, that's not what they were thinking. I know mm-hmm. people that had babies where nobody could go there. I, my father-in-law die in the hospital and alone. Mm-hmm. And my mom was in the hospital last week. You couldn't go in. And mm-hmm. I didn't have anything significant happen while I was here, except my business. I mean, we went down 2 million in sales within a month. At the beginning, you're like, okay, we're all going to watch Netflix and this yeah. sucks, but we're all in together. And then it's like, you're just watching, watching and watching, watching. And I think that's part of what it was. It's like the joy of what these people, I'm sure a lot of people did not get married. I'm sure a lot of relationships broke up mm-hmm. because this expectation and excitement of what was going to happen did not happen. And I'm glad that you had that because trying to talk to people about, I always want to go to Europe. We were going to go to Europe. We want to go to Greece. It's not open. You know, we were very limited on the locations where people can go. And then it's like, and as they open, and this is what you're going to, I don't want to do that. You know, Hawaii. I mean, I had two destination weddings in Hawaii. Those were closed. Then they opened. Then they closed. And then the brides and grooms that are like, whatever. And then the ones that are just devastated. I had one girl, the one girl in March that said, Susan, do you think we're going to get married? Destination wedding in Jamaica in July. And I said, I bet you a hundred bucks. She paid for it in full by the end of April. Now she's one of my favorite clients. All of them did. And they paid Mm. for it with sandals and sandals only gave future credit. Okay. Destination mm. wedding, 22 rooms. Of course it got canceled. So now they're, and she's calling me on the phone sobbing. Everything's going wrong. I can't believe this. So we got him a honeymoon where Coulter's going on his honeymoon, Unico. They went there, they got married at the Justice of the Peace. And then they're all going back in July 21 Ugh. for their one year anniversary. And I'm going, oh. it's so heartbreaking when there's nothing I can do. I and I'm wanting to give them joy. I'm wanting to tell them. And I'm so limited even now when I'm selling is I got like five places I can put you at. And then they're like, well, what about this? And what if we want to do this? I'm like, that's not open. That's not open. That's not open. You can't leave the resort. There's no fishing. And they're like, why are we going? Right. And it's just that heartbreak of, you know, like you said, a year ago, I was complaining. I was in Tahiti at a conference to become a specialist. And I was like, I travel too much. I'm traveling every three weeks. I, I got to take off next year. Who knew? <laughs> Who got your wish? Dang. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, oh, God, I should have said that. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, Yeah. it is heartbreaking. I mean, I think the best advice and the best cheerleading I have is like, there's nothing again, there's nothing that I can say to make you feel better about the fact that your wedding just exploded in front of your very eyes. Next best thing, let's look towards 2021, 2022, have a kick ass one year anniversary party. Exactly. Um, Who does that? Like, no, I didn't get I didn't have a party for my one year. Like, 
I mean, I it's 50th birthday party. Thank God. Before <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's not anywhere near in the stratosphere of the same as your actual wedding. But if you just kind of try to look at it, you know, with the most positive spin possible, yeah. that's all we can do at this point. It's, yeah. it's just been heartbreaking. So we did that wedding plan B for a while. And then it just became like people coming into the conversation are now hearing stuff that we recorded in March and things are changing day to day. And yeah. I don't have the bandwidth to be on here every single day live. And, you know, it's just, it's like a drag on me personally. It's drags down my energy. It puts me in a pissy mood. I just, I'm, I hate it all just like everyone else does. Like it was changing too fast. So at a certain point, I think in May ish, I said, you know what? I can't, I can't hold this. Like I can't carry this. I can't talk about COVID every day. I'm going to punch out a wall. It just makes me, it drains me. So I kind of changed the tone of the conversation. And again, the next best thing I would help couples, anyone who emailed me behind the scenes and needed help and needed advice, I'm happy to help you one-on-one, you know, in an email exchange or whatever, give you any advice I can. But I changed the conversation overall to like, I'm sorry if your wedding is in 2020. It's just, it's probably not going to happen. Like, let's turn Turn the conversation towards 2021, 2022. I bet Coulter called you. That's how I knew. <laughs> <laughs> the average, the average engagement for my listeners is anywhere between 18 to 24 months. So wow. I'm thinking like these yeah. people yeah, are gonna have a wedding. Thank goodness for yep. them. Like they're probably not going to be affected by this, a lot of them anyway. So do I want to sit here and be miserable in this and just wallow in this? Or do I want to kind of change the tone and just look ahead? And let's talk to people who are getting married in 2022. And let's lighten the conversation back up and make some evergreen content that people can look to in 2021 and 2022 and not look at the wedding planning podcast and say, cool, she talked about COVID for 10 months. Like who wants to listen to that? <laughs> okay. So you were, you were talking about your podcast and sort of the, the plan B that you came up with. The theme of our podcast is learning about some things that are behind the scenes. So do you have some things from behind the scenes from your business or the podcast that you could share with us? Sure. (laughs) I'm a handheld mic person. I can't have it on a stand. I like gesticulate and I move around a lot. And like, I can't English word. (laughs) (laughs) Susan, yours looks very professional. Just set up right there. You've got your recording studio. (laughs) I went on Amazon and said, I need to do a podcast. (laughs) I need to buy this. Done. (laughs) I I do need some more fancy headphones. You can see my nice little Apple earbud. They sound great though. Well, these are my husband's because oh, okay. I got the new headphones. Nice. The new, uh, the new ear pods that are sound canceling because he's in the office next to me and he says, uh, loud. <laughs> I find that very hard to believe. <laughs> I, I don't believe it. <laughs> you know, so you like to hold the mic. I do. I like to hold the mic. I'm sitting down right now, but when I record, I'm standing, I'm looking out the window into my backyard. I'm moving my hands all around. Like if you watched a recording of me or watched a video of me recording all by myself in my my office, you would think I was like off the rocker. (laughs) She's talking to a ghost, people. I know people who can do like a video podcast 
simultaneously as they're doing the audio. I could never do it. That's why I asked you, like, yeah, yeah. are we gonna be recording? Are we like, gonna honey, be video? I'm like, <laughs> I had my mammogram today. I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, don't worry. Right. Yeah. Which was really yeah. my diplomatic way of asking if it was okay if I show up wearing pajamas. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just like to see people because I'm very visual. Yeah. I'm not a good For writer. Sure. So I'm like, For sure. I want to make sure I see like, you know, if like there's dead air and then you're like, did I offend them? <laughs> I got to see their face. Culture gets really quiet every so often because I talk over him. And I'm like, I need to know if he's smirking or if he's like, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> Those are two little sneak peeks. Let's I see. I that. just recorded, I recorded this morning. I did a very last minute turnaround. I recorded <coughs> tomorrow's show. It's going to be a good one. I'm excited to share it with everyone tomorrow. It's all about getting on the same page with your fiance. So that'll be a fun, oh. fun conversation. Good for the newly engaged folks out there. Nice. My daughter's looking um, up going, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> She's waiting for the Woo! ring. She's been together oh, five years. They it's coming. Need- they don't soon. need to get married anytime soon. No, first. take your time. Take yes. your time. That's what mama's yeah, I do. For. Yeah, it's getting better though. <laughs> now, I'm on like funny. the fifth draft of my vows right now. So I'm like you know, working on it and like change a word here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, now I've put it on my my notes, my on my iPhone so I can look at it and be like, ah, oh, I want to fix that, you know, so. Yeah, you nobody even wrote vows when we got married. You literally were like, do you want, do you want the um, ring one where they talk about the circle? <laughs> about how the love is about a circle or do you want it about gold and how gold is like a stone? we're like circles good i i don't even know what i said i mean i was like okay and i like i know i know it's personality but literally it was like us getting married because we were non-denominational so like our church was like in a shopping mall so we got married at another church and then it was like we brought in a friend to marry us that was like my parents were like, are you sure it's legal I'm like, God, I hope so. It's 27 <laughs> years. I mean, I have a document, but I mean, like, but like you didn't have choices like that. It was like, we went to the cheesiest place in the world to get my bridesmaid dress. And I got in a fight with my mother-in-law. She was like, you need to wear, it was, it was black velvet with a white tool bottom, like everyone wore back in the nineties. <laughs> and then I wanted white stockings with black shoes. And she's like, no, you need black stockings. And, white shoes. and <laughs> I was like, awesome. awesome. This is my wedding. And then that was a great way to start off your marriage. You needed to listen to the challenging family situations and relationship dynamics show that dropped a couple <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> I should have. So we always ask everyone to tell us their funny mishap. Yours were very funny. I did read them. I, like I said, I glanced through them, but like your funny mishap on a travel thing, because I think everyone has them. I think it makes us more humble. I think it makes us laugh. I think we all laugh at ourselves. Um, anyhow, so what's your favorite travel mishap that you would love to share? That question was so fun on your email because I went back. I mean, I can think, I can literally think of like, okay, well, we have to differentiate between like a funny story or like, was it funny at the time? Absolutely not. (laughs) Is it funny now? Definitely. (laughs) Um, We have, I mean, I have eight years of those kinds of stories from traveling with kids when they were babies. And my daughter was on, so you can fly a kid for free until they're two typically in the States. That little girl was on 16 flights by the time we had to buy her one. So, I mean, we travel 
all the time. We're constantly, not, not these days as much. We do yeah. a lot of local stuff in our camper van, but we have done a ton of travel. So anyway, that question made me smile because I'm <laughs> like, well, it's funny now, but it definitely wasn't oh. funny when I was changing a baby's diaper on my yep. lap on like a little puddle oh. hopping plane with no diaper changing table. <laughs> yeah. Or your kid throws um, up on the airplane. That's funny. Oh, so day. many, so yeah. <laughs> many times. So it, it was fun to go back through kind of the memory bank and look at some of the trips my husband and I did, we called it our European trilogy. So we did an eight city trip in 2009 and we got engaged at the end of that on the Eiffel Tower. And then... (laughs) We did our honeymoon in 10 was to Cinque Terre and Rome. Wow. And then we did our last piece of the trilogy right before I got pregnant with Stella. And this was all planned. This is very type A, Susan, just like you. I was we had very it all. You're oh, my we had to, client. Like, we had to get the trilogy. <laughs> no, we had to get the trilogy in before the baby. So we did um, another trip in 11 and went back to some of our favorite places. But one of the funniest stories from that very first trip we did together in Europe, we were like fake backpacking. We weren't really backpacking, but we were like traveling with a thousand pounds of our shit on our back. Like, right, right. So like we were kind of backpacking, but not like sleeping in tents and stuff like that. We just didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. And this is back in the day, you know, the prehistoric times before we had maps on our cell phones and yeah. Yeah. we had pa- a paper map of every city yeah. we went to. I mean, we went to eight different cities. We spoke zero of the languages, any of them. I did not find, I mean, maybe other travelers have had different experiences, but we try to stay like kind of off the beaten path, which is a blessing because it's awesome to find all of this really cool stuff tucked in. But it's also kind of a curve because no one speaks English. No right. one took credit cards. Like credit right. cards were not a thing anywhere we went. Right. So anyway, we have this paper map. <laughs> we're on a subway. We have no idea where we're going. We're in Prague in the Czech oh, Republic. Yeah no clue where we're going. And we were literally looking out the window and we were like, ah, this kind of looks like it might be kind of close to a city center. Why don't we just get off here and see what happens? Like, we'll figure it out. We're we'll good. figure it out. We're good. Yeah, we're good. we'll figure it out. It's, it's fine. So it's fine. We didn't even know where we were on the paper map. Oh so we God. get out and we were like... <laughs> We were so far away from where we needed to be and we are stubborn. So we go, we're fumbling around these two ridiculous Americans with their backpacks on, like in the middle of God knows where in the outskirts of Prague, trying to find the old town where we're staying, like the tourist center, had no clue. So we fumbled around for like three hours and finally the pride like swallowed our pride and... I mean, we couldn't even find. Says for town. directions, buddy. I mean, no one uh, spoke English. You can't even. Yeah. Like, you're outside couldn't. town. It's really hard. Yeah. We literally. I mean, we had like a paper printout that we showed to the cab driver. We finally found. Got. I mean, it's a miracle we even found a cab. Like this is how out in the middle of right. nowhere we were. Right. We were not in a metropolis whatsoever. Right. We <laughs> happened to find a cab by luck after three hours and had to show him the piece of paper, and like point on it to please deliver us there. (laughs) We went back to Prague two years later on that third trip and we were exploring an area on not the castle side of the river, but the other side. And we went up there 
you know, deliberately, like we knew where we were going this time. We went up and I was like, holy crap, this is that subway stop that we got off. And <laughs> that's so funny. like to go back and see, actually right. realize like how far away right. it was from right. anything we were trying to find. This is just oh, pretty funny. And people just don't know where they are. And then they don't even understand where no. if you go even like, even you go to London, like mm. they speak English, but it's not really our English. Yeah, totally that's different. That's so funny. That's Big awesome. Time. I'm so glad that you guys have been able to travel too. But that's oh, hilarious. That's so funny. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good sense of humor about it. At the time, it wasn't very funny at all. We were cold. We were starving. We were <laughs> tired as, you know, tired yeah. as all get out, carrying backpacks. We were probably right. bitching each other out the entire time. Like, <laughs> but That's nothing, awesome. a, nothing, a nice little hotel and, you know, right. a few beers didn't take care of. There you go. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Okay, so now we play a game. I don't know if you can catch, but I'm very competitive. And so the deal is, is that you're on my team this week. So it's you and me against Coulter. So Coulter's going to ask us a couple questions. He says they're really hard and they're in the wedding industry. Ooh, okay. So I'm counting on you. Okay. Like I said, we had circle or gold for, for our vows. That's <laughs> as far as I got. <laughs> and we went on a cruise for our honeymoon. All right. All right. Give it to us. Okay, these, are, these are really tough. You guys are on a team. Okay, so. You don't know how good I am, Coulter. Oh, boy, these are, these are <laughs> tough. I mean, uh, but may, maybe they're obvious to you all. I don't know. Okay, so according to The Knot, what percent of brides still wear the traditional diamond in their wedding ring? Oh, Wow. What's our margin of error? Do we get like plus or minus 10% here? <laughs> yeah, you're giving us multiple choice. Um, oh, no, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, uh, say within 5%. Okay, okay, and sorry, this is their wedding band or their engagement ring? According to The Knot, what percent of brides still wear the traditional diamond in their wedding ring? Hmm. Wedding ring. I guess that probably means like their engagement ring, right? I don't know. About Sounds 50%? like a wedding. Uh, a wedding ring. I don't, my wedding ring was gold. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think... I think 50% is a good, Yeah, that's my guess. Okay. 50% final answer. 70%. Ooh, the margin was 20%, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like you. We got it right. (laughs) Yay. Whatever. Whatever. I don't like Coulter. I feel really terrible. Let me say really quickly that I called you Colton a couple of times. Coulter, Coulter, Coulter. That's so (laughs) embarrassing. I, the little, like the white name comes up every now and then. And I looked at it and was like, oh my gosh, I've told him. Cool. He would never tell you. Honestly, it's I'm fine. Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I've been called much worse. <laughs> um, I mean, look, it's the, the typical episode formula is uh, self-deprecating humor on me or or sort of make fun of something about me. So that's how we kick off every episode. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We're going to get this one. Okay. I think this one's a little easier, but let's see how you guys do on your history. Okay. So. That was women. my major in college. Oh, okay. history? Good. Awesome. Okay, well, you better get this then. I expect oh, a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, women have worn wedding rings for thousands of years. When did men begin wearing them? I don't know. <laughs> God. And we have thousands of years to pick um, from? I mean, come on. Aren't they? You were supposed to give us multiple choice. I gave multiple choice last time. Oh, yeah. I was that thinking would... that men started wearing, I would say it'd have to be the 19th century. That'd be my guess. Yeah, I don't know. We Civil did a War. wedding... We did a wedding ring episode years and years ago now. And I think, I feel like it originated in ancient Egyptian times with like reeds. They would put like reeds. 
rings Ooh. around their finger. I, I, but it's evolved. Oh, man. I don't know. I, These are hard. Multiple choice. Make up uh, some multiple choice answers. Okay. Um, a, <laughs> the Civil War. Oh, that's what Susan said. The history okay. major. Okay. B, the Iraqi War. No. No. <laughs> God, whatever. C, <laughs> World War One or D, World War II. Mm. No, I'm going with civil. You want civil? I'll, I just, I'll stick with photos. the history I've seen major. I've in the civil where they were wearing rings. Okay. I'll go with that. Okay. So according to this, it is World War II. It was a way men could remember their wives during war. Aww. Ever. That is wrong. Because eh. they wrong would answer. forget them if they didn't have a wedding band <laughs> on their finger. <laughs> okay. So do you guys believe in exchanging of wedding gifts on the day of the wedding? Is. Like, is it a tradition? Like we're, we're having, Tori and I oh, are yeah. having this debate right now. And I'm like, didn't we just get you a, a wedding ring and an engagement <laughs> ring? And yeah. we got this honeymoon and plane tickets and Christmas is five days later. Like, no. Just oh no, but like people get card? like, the, like a thing called the push out gift when you have yeah. a baby now. And no. I'm like, I mean, I feel like this is all just kind of continued to escalate a little bit. Let, let's ask the expert here. Is it a thing? It is a thing, but I am not in favor not of it. it. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, if you want to do it, that's totally fine. I don't judge any decision that uh, anyone no. else makes, but you've just spent 10, 20, 30, 40, $100,000 on a joint celebration of your marriage. You are now married to your new husband or wife. Like that is the present. Right. <laughs> you I don't like need send like little notes to each other. Yeah, that's sweet. But that's you don't sweet. need like a pair of diamond earring studs or a new watch or cufflinks. You know, Coulter's like, taking I, this back um, after this. He's going back to dinner now. Well, because she she asked me if I want anything, you know, a watch or I want this with my initials. And I'm like, no, no. I, don't, I don't need any of that. Like, <laughs> you were picking up on her going, and here's yeah. what I would like. I was like, right. if you want to give me something, I'll take a cool pair of Vans. Like, I don't want anything. Like... <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I don't know, like I'm going to get her something, but I just didn't know every week there's like a different topic. Like she goes through a checklist. That was the topic this week. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> Damn wedding very, checklist. Very oh my God. The checklists get the grooms in so much trouble. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Dan is so lucky. He had no checklist. He had to show up. Yep. I planned the whole thing. And he was like, oh, except for the fucking plates. Okay. So we, we've, we've already sort of gone over this, but I figured I would give you guys an easy one to wrap it up here. I've got a few more choices, but you know, I want to make sure that you guys feel good about yourselves and get one. <laughs> Whatever. You know, so um, what culture began the exchanging of rings? God, where'd you come up with these? Egyptian, I'm going with what you just said earlier. Well, if it's for men to remember that they're actually married, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm tempted to say Americans. <laughs> no, um, I, I think it's before. Well, they don't talk about it in the Bible. Well, it was World War II, I thought you said. Wait, maybe I misunderstood the question. What culture okay. originally you started? Guys have already, you guys you, have already, you've already got it. The Egyptians. That's right. Okay, I was yeah. overthinking Okay, so it. then that doesn't yeah. make sense because then it would be the Egyptians had the right first. So you right. were wrong, right. like I said. Yeah. You know... <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe they're referring to different sorts of things. I mean, this, this does say that 
in World War II was when men, you know, started wearing rings all the time. Um, Maybe that was U.S. men. Yeah, could I'm be. Telling you modern right now, times. I'm telling you, I studied, my whole history degree was on the Civil War and modern America, and men had whip rings on. Hmm. So they are wrong. Yeah, you know, that, and I want you to tell you something. My dad wrote a letter to Trivial Pursuit when I was in high school. <laughs> he thought that they had a question wrong. And I'm like, hmm, where does that come from? <laughs> Okay, well, culture one, we'll just keep our tally going. That's yeah, just we just keep it rolling. No, there's no winners in this, Susan. (laughs) There has to be. I always have to win. (laughs) I'm the baby. That's how we roll. We're the scrappy people. We come and we fight. Bugs me about four times with going in and counting the tallies. I did. I'm like, you gotta get the tallies. I gotta know who's ahead. She's like, I will, I will, I will. I'm like, yeah. So today I'm like, you gotta do the tally. She's like, I know it's on my list. She's my assistant too. I'm like, yeah, can you do that? Can you get on that? But this has been so fun. It's just fun to get to know you a little bit better. I, I will say this. You are a joy to do business with on my Aww. end. I absolutely love the business that I get. Everyone that emails me says nothing but great stuff about your podcast. They're really cute. And I just love that you are very unique because there are a lot of businesses out there that are really, they're in it for a business. Mm-hmm. And Coulter has said this to me, which I really love that he grounds me this way. He's like, our podcast, while I joke about it making billions, it's really not for a business. We're really doing it because we love people. It's been really fun. And I appreciate you staying in that genre with people because that gives a lot of your heart back to people. So it's fun to see that. Oh, thank you so much. You're a pleasure to work with as well. This has been so fun. I know. So fun. Podcasting really is, it's a bug. Backstage Travel Podcast is hosted by Susan Green and Coulter Fleming. Editing, producing, and managing by Mackenzie Green. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Visit our Facebook page and send us your travel stories at info at backstagetravelpodcast.com. Susan and her team at Susan's Travel Services have a passion for what they do and want to get you to your dream destination. They're so dedicated to giving you the experience of a lifetime that they'll help you at no cost. To learn more, find them online at Susan's Travel services.com.